I was an asshole until I took ecstasy. Now I make dance music and I'm still a dick. Because we buy, we buy, we buy, we buy, we buy, we bought a zombie child. Hello, welcome to We Bought a Mic. That was something. Yeah, that that was wholly original. <laughs> like, damn, homie. And uh, if you think it sounds like another song, then you're wrong. <laughs> right, right. Um, shout out to James Murphy. I love you. Welcome to We Bought a Mic. I'm Ernest Calderon. I am Hunter Mobley. And I'm Drew Dietzen. And we're here with more ketchup. We're never going to stop eating ketchup. Yeah. Squirting it all over our bodies. That sugary tomato paste that we all love. Could, this is a pretty spicy ketchup corner. Like. Yeah. Really, we're, we're the ketchup and you're the fries audience. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are spicy ketchup this week. So yeah. we're like Whataburger ketchup. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's it's good shit. Uh, before we do ketchup, real quick, thoughts on the Joker trailer? <sighs> um, I didn't really watch it. I, uh, okay. I, I, I skipped through it, but I, I just wanted to get the tone without getting any spoilers. But I mean, the idea could be good that he's just like an incel comedian mm-hmm. who like, <laughs> <laughs> like that is what it is. You know what we need more in cinema? Incels. Yeah. yeah. We need representation, you know? <laughs> I don't, I didn't get the incel vibe. It was more like he's just, he's he, definitely like, he lives in a society. It sounds like he's really like, they're going to make him a hero of the story. Isn't going to mm-hmm. be like, it doesn't seem like it's very like yeah. anti. No, I think he's, story. I mean, like, it's, it's, it seems like he's like explicitly creepy though like he's a creepy yeah. dude um in the vein of incels where he's like you know why won't they like a nice guy like me that type of deal where he he outcasts himself in a way right uh todd phillips i have a moderate amount of faith in todd phillips i mean he knows how to make hits it's just a matter of this is a big tone switch for him mm-hmm. he's made huge comedies the the tone aspect is the the biggest draw for me the fact that it looks like kind of like a drama more in the vein of like what nolan was doing with the the dark knight movies mm-hmm. and we've kind of moved away from that now that the mcu has kind of taken over superhero uh movies and and dc is like chasing that with shazam and aquaman so this seems like they're like looking back at what nolan did and even inspired by what uh you know all, all these scorsese strokes of taxi driver and and king of comedy that was my big thing is that it seemed very like 70s new york crime is like kind of what i was getting i'm almost i'm wondering how like self-serious this movie is going to take itself because i don't necessarily think that it has to be one way or the other as long as it does commit to a tone and i just don't want it to feel like two juxtaposed visions put too together. serious like i don't want it to feel too serious but then try and have comedy aspects and i don't want like i i just want it to be cohesive mm-hmm. like i think that joaquin can play it either way he looks phenomenal he looks so good yeah. well, which well, is like, crazy the- that we just had jared leto like that movie <laughs> just came out two three years ago 2015 and now that's probably yeah. scrapped still haven't seen it 
And oh yeah, I'm not going to see you know it. What? Don't. No, I don't, I'm not. Going I saw to. it for both of you. Don't see it. <laughs> but that you know the the fact that like we're getting a, a new version so quickly is a little jarring. But go for it. Fucking go for it. It looks yeah. great. The the other reason I didn't really watch the trailer is because I, we're going to watch this movie. Mm -hmm. I didn't need to be sold because either way it's going to be a big event, uh, and I know yeah, the hype is real. I I'm already regardless of how the trailer is, I'm more excited for it than I was for like Suicide Squad. Well, I mean, shout out to you know? shout out to the marketing squad that I they don't really show anything about what this. Movie yeah, is I did hear about. that. There's nothing really that gives away like the true origin of Joker or anything else like that. People say that they're going to reinvent it. He's not just going to be like falling in a pool of acid, which isn't he like a uh, failed comedian? Yeah. Yeah. He's like a, yeah. he's like a, a Louie type, but he never gets big and he just gets me too'd. And the me too is not sexual. Well, it's he's, just like being he, bad. He's a sign spinner. He's not even a comedian. I guess maybe there is a comedian aspect to it. But he I don't just know. dresses as a clown. I can't differentiate between jokes and reality on Twitter anymore. So uh, I'm literally basing this <laughs> off of like a game of telephone it's, that's well, played on the internet just, every day. It's funny just because like it the trailer itself, it seems like it's gonna start being one thing, and then you get this like really like dramatic like strings instrumentation coming in. It's just like my whole life I thought that it I thought my life was just a drama. I thought my life was just a tragedy, but it turns out it's a comedy. And he like walks out, and there's like a yeah. beam of light on him, and Put I'm on like, a happy face. I, I just like I don't know what this movie's gonna be, but I'm excited to yeah, watch it. Regardless. Me too. Yeah, I'm gonna see it. All like right. Joaquin is the that man. Like, yeah, he is. He's, he's probably the, the greatest actor working. Right? He's yeah. the he's the man for the job. Yeah. Uh. So yeah. Oh, the, my other last quick thought was it. Uh, aside from all the obvious Scorsese parallels, it also gave me a lot of "You Were Never Really Here" vibes. Oh yeah. <laughs> which is a movie that came out just last year and like Joaquin's character is very closely tied and just like the the kind of anti-hero vibe of that whole movie and that movie had its own Scorsese yeah. tones uh that one too. was like very yeah. very taxi driver okay so let's get into our catch-up <laughs> Drew yeah. all right I have a few things here they're all on brand because they're comedy related. I'm I'm like s carving out a, a space for myself on this pod. Okay, if you haven't noticed. Uh, so this is a stand-up special that I really enjoyed, uh, and I I wanted to give it some credit because it's well it's by uh, Nate Bargatze, who uh, listeners may have heard his name before because he's like he's not like a nobody. He has made a name for himself these past few years. The album is called or the special is called The Tennessee Kid. Uh, it's on Netflix, so you it you have no <laughs> there's no barrier okay. between you and watching it, and that's why he's gotten big is because he actually has a half hour special on uh, Netflix's series The Stand Ups, which is just mm. a series of yeah, yeah, stand ups yeah. doing half hour specials, and it's an amazing half hour. It's actually might be better than this special. I would recommend watching both of them, like watch the half hour first and then this one, because in this special he actually makes callbacks to his last special. Uh, so it helps to have seen that one. Anyway, though, Nate, uh, he's he's a southern 40-year-old dad. So you hear that, and you're like, oh, this is like blue-collar. Blue-collar like, comedy the, tour. Yeah, the vibe you get just from hearing about him is like, oh, this is going to be like Foxworthy or some shit. Like, it's going to be like some fake-ass southern bullshit. This this is not that. Like, his the way he appears is not how his comedy is. Um, I really like this guy. Uh, he He's one of those comedians that other comedians love. 
like you'll see people on Twitter that never plug anyone like they're not bought by anybody like Anthony Jeselnik the the most cynical person in the world is like you guys should watch Nate Bargatze's special it's very good because it is it's it's truly awesome another thing about it is it's clean it's not dirty in any way and that's another thing that you would naturally kind of be like oh boy clean comedy like look at John Mulaney though John Mulaney's the biggest comedian working right yeah. now and he's a pretty much he's a well he's comedian. he's gotten a lot dirtier but he did start off pretty clean right. another example would be Mike Birbiglia used to be 100% clean Jim Gaffigan has had great specials in the past Pete Holmes uh I mean the biggest example well Pete yeah but I'm t- I'm not talking about like semi like not talking about sex I'm talking about no cuss words no nothing of that mm. nature uh, kids could watch this special. Okay. They wouldn't understand all of it because it's it's good. <laughs> but like, I mean, Jerry Seinfeld was, a, you would never think about him as a clean comedian, but he was 100% clean. He just had this insane cynicism that only adults would like. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Uh, but anyway, Nate is is special because he's doing observational comedy in the vein of things you've heard before. So you'll hear a premise and you'll be like, oh, I know where he's going with this. All the premises are like, oh, I... I went to my like uncle's wedding and he's very southern and very poor. And then it's just kind of like a what they call a playground bit where you can just kind of like riff off of that and say all the scenery at the wedding. <laughs> you know, you can go anywhere with that. Um, so you always think you're going to beat him when he lays out the premise. You're like, oh, I've heard things like this. But he has a very unique sensibility to him. Like his accent and everything else is not how he is. He has this incredibly dry delivery. Uh, and also one of the best voices in comedy. Like his voice is doing so much work here. He has an amazing uh, delivery. Is to him. he is he based in Tennessee? He's from Tennessee. He lives right. in Tennessee. So he does. He's like. But he's not doing. He's not a New York comic. He, well, he tour. He's a touring comic. Okay. So he like he doesn't like live anywhere. This dude is like all over the place. Okay. Uh, but anyway, yeah. His his jokes have this. They always have a twist that gets me. Whenever I think I beat him. Which is, you know, you hear the you hear the premise, you're like, yeah, I get it, dude. And he always fucking does something. He has his word choice even is something. Uh, comedians like to talk about the concept of A to C, which is like, you know, you can't just go from point A to point B because that's not a joke. A joke is a surprise to the audience. A joke is when you beat them to a certain punchline. Uh, he's sometimes is, is going like A to D, where I'm thinking of what the punchline will be. So what the C would normally be. And he goes one step farther than that. That's why comedians love the guy, because he is doing stand-up that comedians can't predict. He's doing something that is truly uh, unique to him, even though at first it doesn't seem like it's unique With, at all. Without getting too absurd and no, out there? He, he doesn't, no, because his premises are so grounded. Like, they're so rooted in reality. And, and like, even his jokes themselves are not, like, it's not like he's going insane and, like, heady with anything. Yeah, it's not like Bo Burnham. No, no, yeah. no, it's no, it's none of that. It's like simple comedy, but it's truly unique. And he has he has a way of speaking and a way of writing that really comes through in everything he does. Uh, I, I really love this special just because it it plays with your expectation of what you think when you see him and you hear him at first. And then he just absolutely turns that on its head. And he's like, no, I can just he can just be like, uh, you know, Stephen Wright. He's the most legendary one-liner comedian oh, of all time. Guy, yeah, he just yeah. has a super deep voice, and he's so dry. This guy is so dry with his delivery. He's not doing, like, Larry the Cable Guy shit where he's just, like, fucking... <laughs> like, yeah. it's not like that. He just has a southern accent, but he's he might as well just be any other dude. 
He's nice. like, yeah, I'm just a guy. That's cool. Uh, great, great special. I'd recommend his his half hour on the stand ups first, and then get into this uh, if you if you like the half hour. Bargatze. Yeah, B A R G A T Z E. Bargatze. <laughs> Yeah, classic southerner's name. Yeah, ex- that's what I'm saying. Like, he's not just like, he's not like I'm the southern dude. I hate those guys. Yeah, yeah. any comedian that's like I'm the this guy, they all suck. Nathaniel Bargat Bargatze. Um, so yeah, that's a great special. Um, but in the, a similar vein, I wanted to do because I didn't watch shit this week. If I'm honest, I watched a bunch of Jeopardy. Well, you watched hey, Pet Cemetery. Let's let's shit. talk some Jeopardy. We're, I mean, Jeopardy okay. is. <laughs> I've been watching I, live episodes and it is great. Yeah, I it's the Nef- best thing. I'm I will say really quick, Netflix did re up and put some new shit on there. I watched through all four tournaments in like a day. <laughs> I can't get enough of Jeopardy. Alex, please get better. Um, oh fuck, we, can't we never live talked in, about we can't that. Live in a world post Alex. Oh god, I know. I'm not ready for he, it. So he's still working with the diagnosis. Yeah, no, he. Uh, yeah. So I've been watching like live episodes and he actually like he made like the first. Oh, I saw episode the video. Yeah, he had that video, but then he kind of was just like, I'm just gonna. Keep working here until I can't work anymore. What a hero! He is, Listen, Trebek is a legend. I don't any you'll when you watch him, you get to know does, him. He he does definitely have some uh, sexist. Oh, uh, he's in him. he's like he's, I love. Uh, we yeah. talked about that before. Yeah, yeah. he's like, he's definitely sexist. He's definitely condescending. If anyone is doing bad, he doesn't like them. Yeah. <laughs> like anyone. One of the most legendary moments in Jeopardy history is whenever somebody won with a total of like a hundred dollars, and he was just like, "If I'm to be frank, I'm disappointed." <laughs> to like the person who won. <laughs> I yeah. <laughs> he's like there are no winners. Yeah, today. but get out of my fucking studio. But he's just such a consistent guy. Yeah, like he's been doing it for like thirty something years, and the show has not changed a bit. Like it changes in like appearance a little bit. He's just been the same guy for this long. It's very impressive. Anyway, though, uh, I wanted to do a little spotlight segment. Um, I I see myself as in on the comedy scene. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't do comedy i don't talk Com- to comedians comedy i don't scenes know are like onions yeah yeah i'm not gonna do eddie murphy <laughs> as part of that <laughs> comedy is like shrek it's good <laughs> uh but yeah i i just wanted to spotlight uh for the listener i have four different comedians here that you may not know their name yet but if you want to seem like a smart motherfucker you should learn their names right now because these people are going to get they're going to be somebody. I can almost guarantee it. Um I actually have five names, so you know, a little little bonus in there. Are you going to talk about how you uh kind of found well, these people? I I mean I I watch a lot of comedy stuff and also most of these people I've heard Twitter. I've yeah, Twitter and podcasts. Mm, Twitter okay. it is bad, but for comedians it's like literally they can just write a joke and put it there. Like yeah. it's it's a great showcase for comedians, uh, and, and like if Scott Ackerman will see it and he'll be like, "Hey, kid, people, yeah, I don't have a show anymore, but <laughs> come on my podcast." People, people are getting legitimately discovered via Twitter now. Like, it's not a joke anymore. Uh, anyway, the first person very big on Twitter that I want to talk about is Jabuki Young White. Um, you guys might I know- see him stuff his stuff pop up all yeah, the time. Yeah, this is the most recognizable name from this whole uh, bunch uh, because he's already blowing up as we speak, but he still hasn't had the big blow up yet, and it's I can guarantee you he's going to be huge. Well, he was on crashing, so he's yeah. already yeah he's been he's yeah. been in shit. So listen, like two years ago, he was like essentially just on Twitter and doing like local stand up. He is twenty four years old, and he writes for Big Mouth. He writes for American Vandal. He's a Daily Show correspondent. 
Oh my god! And he's done stand up on Jimmy Fallon. Damn, I did not know he was that. Act- I thought that he was more of like a demi type that was just kind of. No, a, that's what I'm saying. This guy, guy is—he's already made the transition. It's just a matter of becoming a household name for him. I think he's going to be massive. Um, because, he was really funny on Crash. Yeah, well, and his Twitter absolutely pops off. Like his engagement per tweet is absolutely insane. It used—he used to tweet a lot more because he wasn't working as much, and now he's obviously doing like ten different projects at once. Yeah, I, I see him on Trevor Noah like a lot. Yeah, he's on the the well, yeah. So he's a correspondent on the Daily Show, which historically is a massive springboard role to being a megastar. Steve Carell, mm-hmm. uh, Ed Helms. Um, tons and tons, Stephen Colbert, John Oliver. The problem is that no one watches it anymore compared to the ratings back then. Right. Much fewer people watch it. However, he's still doing great on there. He, uh, he's And his stand-up is just genuinely very good. Um, here's, here's the breakthrough. Well, a semi-breakthrough for him that's going to happen. He is set right now to star in Bo Burnham's next movie. Oh, no wow. way. Yeah. He, and it's... He like it's basically in stone. He's ne- I think he's still negotiating contract for this. Whoa. Uh, Bo's not directing Big it. If true, Bo is writing and directing and uh, producing this movie rather, and it's called Gay Kid and Fat Chick at the moment. I could see that being changed, <laughs> but he that's a spec script. Type. Well, and Jabuki being uh, a gay man is going to play the the lead gay kid role. <laughs> um. And if if that movie makes waves, he's going to be a household name. So I'm just telling you now, you're going to want to know his name. He's going to be somebody. He's very good. And all of these people I mentioned, just look them up on, like, YouTube. And if you're on Twitter, you can read their jokes. But, like, they have plenty of shit you can just find. Uh, The next person I want to talk about is named Jack Knight. Uh, Knight spelled, like, you know, K-N. And Jack spelled, like, J-A-K. Like Jack Jack from from Incredibles. Uh, (laughs) um, This guy's also in his 20s. He's also a writer for Big Mouth. Uh, Nick Kroll is very adamant about finding the like the hottest young voices in comedy for Big Mouth, which is why it's a great show, in my opinion. Uh, it, it has a lot of youthfulness to it. Uh, Jack is like he's not like multifaceted like that. He's first and foremost, he's a stand up like he writes for TV, but he's a stand up comic. He's not nearly as big as Jabuki is at this point. Uh, he's a lot more traditional as a comedian. Uh, he he's not afraid to be like loud and brash and and kind of angry, but not never in like a an old person way. Like he has he has a very youthful sensibility about him, uh, and he's a, he you know he has a great look to him. He he's a good he's good at acting out. He has great delivery. I don't see any reason he's not going to be famous. He's just super young at this point still. Uh, and again, you can find his shit on YouTube, or you can find him on you know plenty of podcasts. And he you know he talks the talk. He's very funny. Uh, Wait, so say, say his name again. Jack Knight. Jack Knight. Yeah. So the next two, uh, their names are I've mentioned one before, Patty Harrison and uh, Joel Kim Booster. These are again great on Twitter, uh, great on YouTube. I, I mentioned them together because they co-host a show that's on Comedy Central online, and it's called Unsend. And it's like a it's like a bizarro version like of the Tosh format where they're just talking about people's posts on on social media but it's it there's because it's a web show there's no structure and so a lot of the time they're just interviewing like comedian guests and just pulling up their old tweets and being like defend this tweet (laughs) (laughs) because they're like horrible you know it's just like it got some food (laughs) um and it's it's a really funny show but i think that they're both going to move on to better things in it uh personally like it's, it's not my favorite thing in the world it's worth watching but they're both awesome. Patty Harrison is in Shrill, which is a show I talked about that mm-hmm. I was I was disappointed in it because it has such a great cast and, and crew. Um, anyway, these are both uh, Asian American and LGBTQ 
uh, comedians. So, I mean, this this upcoming decade is going to be all about representation and comedy because not just be out of like a oh it's a makeup call or whatever. No, because we've heard the perspective of that most comedians have yeah, before the white male perspective. Yeah, it's like you been can beaten and yeah, to death. you can put a twist on it. Like everyone has their own individual perspective, but like to get like all these perspectives from like every different type of person is like, that's kind of what comedy is all about. It's about understanding a viewpoint you didn't before. Um, but I, I, not to get off on a tangent, but I think representation is not just about perspective. You know, you can have comedians of different backgrounds and colors and ethnicities and genders without their, without having their comedy be about their oh yeah well diversity. that's that's what i was going to say because patty harrison does not ever mention that she is a trans woman ever in her comedy um her comedy is like absurdist surrealist like absolutely off the wall shit um she she is always in character basically like she's always in this it's always like a insane th- thing that she's doing she's of the new school of like surrealist comedy where she's not afraid to like she'll set up this bit very seriously and there won't be a laugh for like two or three minutes while she sets it up and then the joke comes like she's not afraid to like sit in silence on stage which is you know anti-jokes are the entire future of comedy um she's amazing uh joel kim uh his perspective he's a stand-up you know more than anything so his perspective as a a gay asian man goes into what he talks about and that's like awesome he has jokes that no comedian has told before because no comedian that's notable has ever been that before you know what i mean like and it's not like i don't know people get so uppity i just made that tweet last week about female comedians and how they get absolutely shit on no matter what they do just and it's just because white dudes just want a white dude to watch like there's no reason to actually shit on most female comedians uh, and it's the same way with this. Like, he's a great, great, great stand-up. He has, he's done, like, Fallon and all the late-night shows, and you can look that up. And it's always a great set. It's always super fucking tight. Um, and he, I think he's acting as well, and I think that he's definitely going to blow up. Both of these people, I think, are going to be say, very big. Say the names again. Uh, Joel Kim Booster and Patty Harrison. Patty with an I. Uh, they're Yeah, and their dynamic together on that show is really killer. It's just the show itself isn't, like, exceptional. I wouldn't say. So they host the show and they bring on guests. Yeah, and that show. Yeah, the show is called media. Uh, Unsend, and it's definitely fun. It's you on can, YouTube. You can find clips on YouTube, mm-hmm. uh, and like, it, it's it's not the best thing they'll they'll do. They're both young and they're both like on the cusp of something, mm. definitely. Uh, and then the, I only have one more. His name is Julio Torres, uh, and you might know that name. If you're like really, really lame, <laughs> like, <laughs> all of these names are just like household names in my head. <laughs> um, are these even real people? <laughs> yeah, these are all it's my just different personas by you. These are all my best friends, and I think she's here it's, right now. <laughs> Hello. It's, it's like Last Man on Earth with all the best, like the different balls. Yeah, they're all they're all in my basement, <laughs> um, and they're all real dolls. <laughs> um. No, so Julio Torres is a writer for SNL, and he has been for a few years, and he's been doing, like, the weirdest shit that's ever gotten on air on SNL. Uh, he did, a few years ago, he did that Fisher-Price uh, Wells for Boys sketch. Do you oh remember God, that? That's a great sketch. It's an incredible sketch. It's so sketch. fucking weird. It's, it's one of my favorite sketches of the past five <laughs> years, like, bar none. It's, it's, this, it's just very tonal, like, very... Uh, like framed like drama so the comedy works way better like he does a lot of stuff like that 
um very like dream like ethereal like dreamy shit like he's very out there very surreal he does stand up and it's the same vein it's just very like bizarre stuff um but yeah he uh i think that he's going to i don't know if his stand-up is going to take off but whatever he writes after snl is going to be a thing this guy's not going to go away because his perspective again is like extremely unique like no one writes sketches like this guy uh he also wrote do you remember the sink where it's an SNL sketch, and it's just like this really ornate sink, just like like thinking it's stupid, and it's just narrating the sink's thoughts, and the, the sink is like, I hope no, someone I, likes me. I haven't seen that. Absolutely. Like, no one writes like that. Like, that is so strange, and it made air because it was, like, worth airing because it was so funny. <laughs> um, so he, he really, like, he strikes this chord of insanely bizarre but the laughs are uh, so abundant that it's not alienating for everybody mm. he's been on fallon a couple times doing little segments because he you know he works in 30 rock his stand-up is just the same way very you know standing still like dry delivery uh he's a weird dude and i really like this guy uh but yeah that's that's What's his name again uh julio torres right and you can find again you can find plenty of his so show i on just YouTube. i just googled wells for boys and there's a vulture article that has a um an interview with him oh yeah and, with and the other the co-writer Jeremy of it Beeler. well uh the good one podcast that right yeah that, they link yeah. it they link it in Jess, the article i can recommend that really quick too jesse david fox who's a, he does all of vulture's comedy writing basically he interviews comedy people about things they've done in particular and they break it down to like a molecular level and it's very very cool and they did the wells sketch and julio was extremely like candidly funny. So funny it's an amazing <laughs> sketch like this this guy is definitely like i don't know if it, he's going to be a face that we all know but we're gonna know his name mm, cool. definitely all right so that's that's it for drew uh the other two things we want to talk about before pet cemetery are barry and twilight zone uh is that it did you yeah, want to no, bring up anything else no, that's, yeah we can just bring up those two things of course by the time that we talk about this new episodes will I've already been out by the time that you're listening to this. Right. But so when what night does Twilight Zone air? I don't know. But I'm there's two sure episodes out Saturday, right now. Friday, I think they Saturday. dropped two episodes at once. But Drew, you haven't seen either of these, have you? No. Okay. So so shut the fuck you, up. You want to see Barry though, right? Like, yeah. You yeah. Plan- okay. So let's. I mean, look- I want to see both. I want to recommend Twilight, especially the first episode. After you just spent this whole. Uh, spiel on your comedy corner. The first episode <laughs> involves Camille Nanjiani yeah, as trying to make it as a stand-up comedian and the cost of what it takes. Ooh. All right, so let's get into this first. I actually have a little bit of a hot take. I was really disappointed. I, well, not really, but I was disappointed mm. in this episode. I've heard I uh, comparable thoughts. Yeah. Um. So I watched both. Did you watch both episodes? I've only seen the first one. Okay. I, that I one thought the second one uh was much much better. It's uh, Adam Scott, um, as an investigative reporter. It's it's kind of like um a remake of that classic Twilight Zone episode. That's the guy that sees the ghoul outside of the plane, oh, yeah. uh, through the window. Yeah, it's kind of like great. that, but there's no ghoul. It's just that same vibe yeah, of like on a plane of like creepiness <laughs> on a plane. Um, that one I thought was much better. It's a lot tighter and the mystery is like really intriguing. Uh, the Kumail one, I just I found it a kind of like a slog to get through. It's an hour long as opposed to the tight like 35 ish minutes of the Adam Scott one. Oh, OK, and- so the other ones are shorter. Yeah, okay. it is. 
Um, why they did that one so long? Because it 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 I felt the length of it, and without like getting too into spoilers, um, the basic premise of the episode is that Kumail has this power of with his comedy, he starts like targeting people, like his jokes are centered on people it's like he's picking on people with his comedy mm. and he makes them vanish from existence yeah every whenever time he, he makes a joke so. about somebody they disappear that's an amazing concept i love that idea and they take it to some really interesting places and i thought kumail's performance was really really good uh i thought the direction was really good like the shots are all beautiful there's some great lighting and and set design and composition and all that but the script just it it just didn't do it was it a for little me. bit repetitive. Um, gotta say, I fucking love Tracy Morgan just hitting a vape inside. Yeah, it's like the classic because it's he like only one has of those two where, scenes. Yeah, and what? they're like they're <laughs> he's perfect. amazing because it's like he's the classic character that in an old episode of Twilight Zone would be sitting there smoking cigarettes and everything else like that. Mm. But because it's like modern times, he's just sitting there with this giant <laughs> box and just fucking like sending huge vape clouds. And you're wow. like, wow, he's almost okay, like Tracy Morgan. He's almost like. Uh, ghost of comedy past or well, something. Yeah, no, he... See, <laughs> like I some, like... Some uh, Christmas Carol shit. Yeah. I didn't like... I, I thought that this was a solid first episode. Um, It wasn't, like, great or anything else, but it is very much a Twilight Zone episode. And, like, that's what I really wanted out of the first episode. I wasn't expecting it to be the best one, but I just wanted it to feel like Twilight Zone. Yeah, to kind my of fear, prove that it was Well, back. my fear whenever they brought the show back was, like... All right, are they just going to try and remake Black Mirror at this point? And they're very clearly not doing that. It's actually okay. the guy that directed it has directed two episodes of Black Mirror. Right. He did um, Be Right Back, which is the one with Domino Gleason as mm. the android, and he did San Junipero. That's very interesting. Mm -hmm. Both uh, amazing but, episodes of Black Mirror. But this show feels wholly different than Black Mirror. Yeah, because it's it not tied to technology. It's not tied to technology, and it's not, at least from the first episode, it doesn't seem preachy. It is very much, which Black Mirror, especially the newer seasons, can be very preachy. Of right. Like, yeah, because... Uh, yeah, put down your cell phone or else we'll become robots. Because what would they be preaching if they were in the in that episode? It'd be like, hey, don't do crowd work, yeah. <laughs> comedian. <laughs> no, but it's... Like, but they're it's, obviously not saying that. I mean, really, it does kind of have the feel of a classic episode where it's just like, all right, what would you be willing to give up if it meant... You say that this is your dream and you do anything yeah, yeah. for it. What is the cost it, of that? It's less about comedy itself and more about like the the gratification of the attention that right. you get when you're beloved, well, when you're successful. Yeah, that's what Twilight Zone is about. It's like a monkey paw yeah. show. And it's one of those things. Jordan Peele's production company is called mm -hmm. Monkey Paw Productions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it always kind of plays with this whole butterfly effect, which is one thing that this first episode did really, really well of like, mm. all right, there's this guy who you don't really like, so you make him disappear. What's the effect of that person never existing? Because it's not like they die. Mm. It's like this person was never born. Wow. That's, so, that's, and that has yeah. this huge kind of unraveling effect. And I really thought that it kind of came together really well in the second yeah, half. Yeah, by the end, make somebody, the way it, a key it person ends, disappear. the way it ends, I, I found it very effective. Um, but I don't know. the Every time he starts like doing the actual comedy, and Kumail's a good actor, right? And he we know he's funny. We know he's a good comedian. But every time he starts doing his, his act, I just, I kind of like 
checked out a little it bit. It doesn't seem like it was written by a comedy actor. It's right, because nothing The jokes are very funny. Exactly. Nothing <laughs> he's saying is funny or even a joke. Like, they, they aren't jokes. He's just, like, digging at people. Yeah, well, and... And everyone's just laughing. So one thing that they kind of repeat on and on in the first episode is, like, his whole thing whenever he gets out there is just, like, uh, like right to, like, have guns and everything else. And he's just, like, oh, yeah. oh well-regulated. And he keeps repeating this at the beginning of every single set that he does, and it never works. Right. And you're like, hey, you could have just done that twice, and then, like, we don't have to see that ever again. Like, we got it. Yes. You don't have to keep doing that moment. It seemed very, like, beating you over the head with it, and it seemed just it really what, unnecessary. Exactly. Yeah, you just touched on one of my biggest gripes, which is it It didn't feel like an efficient episode of mm. TV. You know, TV always has to – they got to get in and get out. Like they got, they have a, especially with an anthology show where you, you have to tell your whole story in one episode. It didn't feel like it made the best of its time, especially we're about to get into it with something like Barry, where every episode fits into this 30 minute block and it's just super tight and efficient and it maximizes every second of your attention. And I just didn't feel like this really did that. Yeah, I mean, I want to continue to check in on Twilight Zone throughout this year. I bought the, I bought CBS All Access just oh, for this show. Which yeah, me too. I never thought that I would buy a subscription service just for one show, but here I am. Guess I'm starting to watch Young Sheldon now, too. <laughs> young something Survivor? I, I have to take... Yo, I, I would be down to watch Survivor in bed. Like, yeah. I'm down for that. Let's, let's just turn this podcast into a Survivor pod. Yeah. Probe and probe. <laughs> Welcome back. There you go. Um, I guess uh, I won't touch on too much on the second episode because you haven't seen it, but I thought it was much, much, much better. Um, again, without giving too much away. It is Adam Scott, right? Uh, oh, he is so good because, see, one thing with Kumail is Kumail is very, I mean, with Big Sick, not as much with uh, Silicon Valley or anything, but with Big Sick, we saw that he can be very emotional, very sincere. And in in this Twilight Zone episode, he was doing a good job, but it kind of like a lot of times it didn't work for me because of how kind of big he was playing some of those emotions. Adam Scott has this like he has this like snarkiness to him a little bit, you know, a little bit more of like an off kilter type guy. Mm. Uh, and it works really well for the character he's playing. Uh, I, I found it a much better fit because essentially what's happening is he uh, he gets on the plane. He has to sit in a different seat than the one he was assigned. And he goes and sits and there's a retro looking little MP3 player in the in the seat pocket. And he picks it up and he starts listening. There's a podcast on it already there ready to go. He starts listening to it. It's a podcast. It's an investigative journalist journalism podcast about the flight that he's on right now and how it mysteriously vanished yeah. in the middle of the Atlantic okay, Ocean. Okay, so yeah, don't don't go beyond that, but that's a great hook. And so much of this episode is him just listening to this podcast and reacting to it without any words. You just hear the podcast and you see his face right. and kind of like his eyes wandering and him thinking amazing performance by scott so good hey he, go at him yeah he really really impressed me uh and the again the episode's a lot shorter it's a lot more succinct the the mystery is a lot more intriguing 
Um, I found it a, a, a good if, step up from that. Kumail I wonder one. if they are going to just kind of play around with runtime since they can do like what Netflix does is since it doesn't have to fit into a right. block, they can just be like, all right, we're going to make one episode that's 37 minutes. Another one's going to be like 54 minutes right. and they can kind of just kind of skip around to whatever yeah. fits best. We'll, we'll definitely keep talking about it. And I'll probably jump back into Star Trek Discovery too while I'm at yeah, it. Yeah, I've been wanting to watch it yeah, for a long time. It's, it's, it's good. Uh, all right, Barry. So we don't want to spoil too much because Drew hasn't seen it. There but... isn't really much to spoil. Um, I thought that this ep- this was like as good Dude, as you can show have for. This is, is so fucking. It's as good. good as you can have for like a first episode of the new season. Yeah, especially where how we left off. It really listeners. Resets... If you haven't seen Barry, we're not going to really spoil what happens. But watch Barry. It resets HBO. the chess pieces in a really interesting way okay, to set that's, everybody that's, up. That's already too much. It, <laughs> I can't hear anything about it. I want to see it. it I didn't uh, know it happened already. It uh, it does a lot of good work for the um, the Russian guy. Oh What's yeah, Cristobal. Yo, um, that guy is great, dude. <laughs> he is so good. Because like early in season one, they had him kind of doing the same bit over and over. Yeah. And once they really let him cook, like that guy always delivers. Well, his boss is gone because mm. yeah, of what yeah. happened in the finale of last season. So now in this new season, he's kind of like. Has more room, more yeah. scenes, more you know scenery yeah, to yeah. chew, and they really make the most of it. He's truly a bizarre. Yeah. And Anthony guy. Kerrigan oh, is the guy. He is name. wow, so good. an Irish guy. Yeah, <laughs> playing this. Uh, Anthony Kerrigan. Che- che- I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to get into spoilers, but I'll just say that they manage this show is like a balancing act of tone, unlike very very few shows that we have right now. Because it manages to be so funny, but also so fucking dark at the same time. And it doubles down on both of those things in this new season. Yeah. And especially with this uh, this character. Um, what's his name again? Uh, Hank. Kerrigan's? Hank. No, no. Uh, yeah, no. no. Um, he, um, he embodies that perfectly. Where he's this like caricature of a guy who's mm-hmm. like so fucking funny mm-hmm. but they inject him with this menace and darkness um, that like you you feel it you're yeah. like oh fuck like this is there's a, a scene that happens there and you're just like mobster uh, god this is real like this guy who's just been like yeah he's been a caricature of himself pretty much for the entirety of the show and you're like yeah. oh i'm i'm really excited to see this guy this. uh Speaking to season one, if anyone is starting it and a, a couple episodes in they're not feeling it, I I need to stress that you need to keep with it. It's kind of like the Good Place season one. It's kind of like most season ones. It needs a few eps to find Gotta its find footing. Because I was I was in like I was going to watch all of it regardless because of Bill. Uh, I'm a huge you know I'm a Bill guy. I'm a Bill boy. Uh, but I could see myself if i had no commitment to the show after two or three apps being like yeah yeah like it's good but you know i'm not gonna keep with it no keep with this right. show it got like toward the end they really started trusting the audience to be okay with drama like injected into yes. it and it be- and it becomes something that it was oh not God. at all there are F1. some moments in that first season that are hands down some of the best stuff yeah, that I've seen in That's, any show. Yeah, it's recently. one of it's. It became a top five TV show on TV. Yeah, in my we all had it in our top and five, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah top yeah. three maybe. Right um, now, it's I, right now it's my number one. I mean, it's only one episode in, but yeah, but I, it's just I was kind of this this kind of put me at peace a little bit because I was really worried about whether or not it could reach the highs of season one again because of that the ending. way that it sets up this new season. What we see here, I 
just ready to go. I'm all on board again Hell with yeah. the show. And the runtime helps so much. Yeah. That's only 30 minutes. Also, we got to mention Mihira Mirai, who, is not, who directed this episode and is probably directing most of the season. He's not directing every episode. Yeah, Bill is directing episode five and episode eight, which means that some shit's going to go down in those two episodes <laughs> because if Bill's like, no, nah, yeah. I got to take well, this Well, five one. last year was when the tr- truck got shut yeah. up. Shut up. Shot up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is an amazing ending. Yeah, it's an amazing show. I'd like shouts to Bill, shouts to Alec Berg mm-hmm. of Silicon Valley fame, mm-hmm. of notably from writing the movie Euro Trip. <laughs> really? Wait, yeah. he's most known for it. Alec Berg co wrote Euro Trip with two other guys who also similarly oh my God. Did went we on ever, to great things. Did we ever bring up that Ringer article that went Oh the around? oral that was I think that was Uprox. It was Oh was, that's right. Mm. I I will now if we didn't. An, it's called an oral history of Scotty Doesn't Know. <laughs> And it is. I, did we not bring that up? That was a long. time I feel ago. like we didn't. That was months. Oh, ago. I don't care. Look it up, everybody. Right now, <laughs> like park your car on the on the highway. Get in the right lane so people are going slow, and just park in it, and <laughs> and read this article. It's a painstaking oral history where they interview everyone involved with the making of Scotty Doesn't Know. If you don't know, it's the iconic uh, pop punk song that was in Euro Trip that non ironically, once they actually released the song, became a Billboard hit, uh, which is very rare. Performed by Matt Damon, by yes, the way. Yes, that's yeah. what I was about the, to everything say. Everything about Damon. everything bald, about it is so funny. Damon. Yeah, if you think journalism's dead, I mean, yeah, no, <laughs> okay. it's right in front of us. So watch Barry, watch Twilight Zone, um, read the oral history of Sky. He doesn't know. Yeah, let's, all equally important. Yeah. <laughs> let's things talk to do. about Pet Cemetery, guys. Yeah. So with our, you know, we're 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 doing our new format here, mm-hmm. where you know we're usually gonna just do, gonna do catch up in this, and then like some other things, and then the big review. If something like if a movie that we saw in theaters doesn't make it to a main segment, <laughs> there might be a bit of a problem. I'm gonna call it now for uh, future reference. So oh, wait, are you are you trying to spoil what your thoughts are in Pet Cemetery? Um, true. Spoiler true. for what I'm gonna say right now, which is I didn't like it. <laughs> That you found nothing redeemable. No, well, no, it's just anything redeemable was canceled out by something unredeemable. Right. It wasn't a train wreck of a movie, I don't think. It wasn't just an absolute shit show, but it, I did not like this movie. So, um, going in, I okay, sounds this isn't going to be a very positive review. It seems like um, I feel hey man, I feel piece. I feel a little bit of guilt because I really pushed for Pet Cemetery. Pet Cemetery and Shazam were coming out the same weekend. And I was like, you guys are like all on Shazam. Like, oh my God, we shot Shazam. It's better than Infinity War. It's better than The Dark Knight. It's the greatest superhero movie ever. <laughs> that was what no. you guys said. That no, was actually no. what you said. No, no, no. Um, that was exactly what you said verbatim. Okay, um, continue. Go back and listen to the episode that we just recorded. <laughs> you'll you'll hear it. Um, So... I was like, all right, but a new Stephen King movie is coming out. The first trailer for Pet Cemetery is fucking dope. The first trailer, the teaser trailer that came out got me so excited for this movie. And then the second trailer came along, which showcased the entire plot of the movie, including some of the scenes in the final 15 minutes of the movie oh, are in see, that, I trailer. that trailer. I didn't see it either, actually. Um, and so that had me worried. Well, that's because only, you shouldn't you so shouldn't you have knew, to sell people. Well, you that's knew that basically like I knew what was happening. Okay. I knew everything See, that, that was coming. That was a surprise for me. I was I, genuinely shocked. I knew everything that was coming in this movie down to certain, well, certain actual sequences that occur. Well, the thing and, is, they they kind of had to do that because the last thirty minutes are the only time anything happens <laughs> in the whole movie. Um, 
Well, I, I'm going to save my thoughts on the end for spoilers, but I can't believe I never expected that I was going to like Shazam more than Pet Cemetery. I going know. Into this weekend. I know, dude. And listen, I, the thing is that, like, I don't think that this I don't think this movie is a train wreck. No, it's not. I actually think that it's still probably on the upper tier of Stephen King film adaptations, yeah. which is not the highest bar to hit. Yeah, because like it's in the upper tier of communist dictators. It's, it's no it's 1940s. worse than it. Uh, it's worse than Rose Red. If you guys have ever seen Rose Red, that's amazing movie. Um, but I I just I was really underwhelmed by this movie, really underwhelmed by the performances, namely Jason Clark. This kind of I've liked Jason Clark before. Oh, I like him too. This made me question his acting chops. <laughs> like this, honestly, like I was kind of I was like, is he actually good or does he just get like well, have good directors? Well, he, I think the him. writing is the crutch there. Well, that's yeah. I was thinking the whole movie. A big struggle I was having is whose fault is this? Like, because the performances weren't good, but I really don't think they could have made it that good. I actually thought the performances were solid. I thought Clark I, was like fine, but I know he's a better actor than that. Like I, I think that's the answer. Shout he, out to John Lithgow. John Lithgow yeah, is amazing. Put him in everything. Oh, he's a great actor. He's so good. Yeah, and he, I enjoyed he's him. the best part he's about this. He's great, movie. but his character is nonsense. Yeah, because his character is. If the more you think about who that guy is, you're like, this isn't a real well, person. Okay, so this generally, is... I want to talk about like just what the movie's about. So this is a Stephen King adaptation. Uh, the book Pet Cemetery is like I think 37 years old. Uh, the the book the logline of the book involves an event. So like if you read like the IMDb quick summary, that's not supposed to spoil anything. The event that they're talking about in the logline happens an hour into the movie. That is a pacing nightmare right there. Like, the thing that's supposed to set the movie into action happens an hour in. That's what drove me insane about this movie. What, the cat dying? But no, the thing the, is... <laughs> the fucking so kid. The thing is, is that this movie... Um, that was all, like, foreshadowing that something worse was going to happen, and then when it finally happens, the movie's, like, almost over. Well... Right. Like, that's supposed to be the end of the first act. <laughs> Okay, so I guess we can kind of. Do y'all want to just get into spoilers now? Because we might as well. I I'll like give I said, a couple, this, if you've seen the trailer for this movie, you know what happens in this movie. I I'll give a couple more spoiler-free thoughts. I I genuinely enjoyed myself at the theater <laughs> with this one because I just went in for just horror schlock. Like I was not expecting it's... something grand here, and. I I honestly enjoyed it. Like there's there's so many jump scares, like cheap Ugh. jump scares in this and like everyone is stupid and it's like classic like horror movie like yeah. people making stupid decisions that don't make any sense. <laughs> but I had a great time. I thought the horror was really effective. I I found a lot of like the set design and imagery like very like throwback spooky. Just the way they made the cemetery yeah. itself there is look some, with some the good fog. Set and just the the approach that the directors took to like really leaning into the schlock of it all and like just giving you some good old fashioned scares a lot of cheap scares yeah but <laughs> when you're going into a movie about undead pets like what are you what do you expect you know like it's schlock it's I thought, fucking I, throwback I thought schlock. maybe it'd be nice if it was good though no cuz the thing is that <laughs> we were still like okay so take for example it it still had so many cheap jump scares it still leaned on the modern horror crutch but it found a way with its good storytelling good writing to like elevate that genre and do something yeah with it. I, I i thought that i i don't i didn't hate pet cemetery i thought this movie was completely fine and i'm never gonna see it again 
But like, I just, I wanted it to be so much more, which I think is what what bums me out so much. I wasn't expecting it to be us, for it to be this psychological oh, yeah. movie that we came no. in here and are like analyzing all of these uh, metaphors and everything else. No way. But I just, I really wanted it to be something more and. I really, I, I okay. think this movie I, just completely falls apart I, in the third act. I saw it across the street at the Loma <laughs> Cinema Grill. I paid great Cinema Grill five dollars and fifty cents for it. It's a it. great five dollar movie. Did you and have a drink while, while I watching it? I had sangria and popcorn. <laughs> I had a great time. How much sangria? <laughs> just, I, I actually just shared one glass. A pitcher. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it, I'll also say, in addition to being a good cheap cinema grill movie, it's a very good uh, find a high quality rip for free on the internet movie. Not speaking from experience or anything. Um, <laughs> oh no! Already, it just came out, dude. You can find anything, but you didn't hear it from me. Yeah, but and it's, that was... it's not like we're recording this or anything, so yeah. I can't go. I can't get in trouble. Um, so really, yeah. Before we get into spoilers, I I really dislike this movie not because it was awful, uh, but because let's let's go back to my parabola. Think about it's it. It's right in the this this yeah. movie. If I'm being generous, I'd give it a six. Really, I, in my personal opinion, I'd give it about a five. That is the rock bottom of the parabola of watchability, in which a five is so to me it's tiresome to watch. It's a movie that is obligatory. It's a movie that scene by scene you're like, all right, here's this scene, then there's the next one. Like, of course, that has to happen because that just happened in the last scene. It's a movie that feels like it writes itself and nothing surprises you whatsoever. Uh, I I didn't like it, and I wish it was worse because then I would have enjoyed it more. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean this like is more yeah more. If it was, well, more if it was stupid. A, yeah, if it was a two, I would have been laughing and I would have enjoyed myself. Yeah, you wish that you were watching like Annabelle Creation at a certain point, just to <laughs> <laughs> be like, oh, well, at least this is stupid enough wow. that. Yeah, I I don't know. I okay. really I thought this movie felt like it was going to like. I knew what the twist was. So I was waiting for it to come because I was like, all right, this movie's kind of dragging. It's dragging. I'm waiting for the moment to happen. Right. So then it'll get, really get going. It'll go full into like the schlocky horror mode. And I think that it just tanks in the third act. I thought the third act was like truly le- I'll just transition right now spoilers now yeah let's let's just yeah, do we, we don't we don't recommend this movie don't don't run out and see it I, but if you for some reason if you're a fan of the book which by all accounts i've heard the book is great i mean of course half-ass internet research research corner this was stephen king's attempt to make a children's novel <laughs> that's actually Jeez. true that <laughs> that is... that tracks for me yeah like you're like yeah stephen God. king's a little fucked up person so uh, i can see that so it's don't just... don't run out and see it um, it's just but, like yeah. it's no i mean if i like if you enjoyed it i I completely understand it. Uh, if you like modern horror movies, then you'll probably like my, this. My main yeah. issue is that, yes. to me, there was nothing that I got out of this movie that I couldn't get out of a million other movies that are, I think, better. Does that make sense? Or at least more watchable. There, yeah, like, if I were to watch a movie like this, I would just put on, like, The Conjuring or something that, like, has, like, artistic merit to it, even though it's not, like, a great movie. It's at least more watchable. Oh, well, I stand yeah. by The Conjuring. I think The Conjuring like, is one of the best horror movies of well, the last that's, 10 years. Yeah, that's what I'm but... saying. And that's, like, a very straightforward storyline. Like, it has yeah. all these tropes that it are It has the movie. jump scares and stuff like that, but you're but right. It elevates I, the story. I don't know. I couldn't recommend it, but 
if I mean, yeah, you're right. If you want to just go see a scary movie, like it's not a horrible movie. I can't say it's it's not a the mess. The scares are good. Like some I, of the scares. There's some really good makeup design. Yeah. Like there's a character who comes into the hospital who's been like, oh, mauled. dude, yeah, and that like was, that's genuinely creepy well, looking. That's what and I wanted he to keeps say. Popping up and stuff. I wanted to. Yeah, that's what elevates it beyond bad for me. Is a lot of the effects are good. A lot of the scares work, even though they're cheapened by the fake scares. But still, like there are merits to the movie. There's just not enough that I was happy when I saw it. And uh, the the sto- all of that story wise like doesn't really click at all, and it the, falls. The apart. story I can't yeah. even even. But let's think let's about. get into spoilers. Yeah. Now. So, so I come I wanna... back or just listen. Whatever. You can listen through. I, I mean, if you see, like I say, if you've seen the trailer, you know what happens in this movie. So yeah. so. I, I wanted there are two main problems that I want to talk about that were more spoiler heavy. The first is uh, Stephen King invented or at least popularized like a ton of modern horror tropes. Like he is the one that originated a lot of these. So it makes sense that this would contain a lot of those. But there was not enough of any sort of twist put on them that this seemed fresh in any way to me. Well, okay, and to you know that I mean? point, um, so I was actually talking about this with friend of the podcast, Colin. Of course, Colin is also a huge horror boy. Oh, did we he were talking he about this. this. He really was disappointed by okay. this movie. I oh, mean, really? he, yeah. yeah. Um, so one thing we were talking about, or that I told him, is that think back to like about five seven eight years ago the big thing in movies is there's something wrong with the house yeah that was that's the thing. what i'm saying now man. the new trope is there's something wrong with the girl or creepy girl yeah creepy, creepy child kid. creepy child it's is both. like <laughs> it pops up constantly that's like the new thing where there's four of those movies every single year of something happening the girl is possessed the girl wandered off somewhere there's like it's always kind of something about that thing and that's it's funny because that used to that was like back 30, 40 years ago in the time of The Exorcist. The Exorcist sparked that whole like genre yeah. of there's something wrong it's with the girl. Back and now it's kind of Yeah, we get to the ring and around. then like Omen. Yeah. And then uh, uh, like with the house trope, we get uh, like The Conjuring. Any movie like that. When the movie started with a family moving into a creepy house, <laughs> I was already upset. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing is that the issue is that like, yeah, that was in this book, which kind of invented or at least popularized that idea. But the. So I was like, well, they have to make up for the fact that this is hack because it's not their fault that it's hack. They're making an adaptation yeah. of something that was not hack when it was made. So, a, a, couple, they- a couple things. I am not familiar with the book or the original film adaptation oh, yeah, I haven't at all. TV movie. I haven't so I don't that. know how this compares to it. I've heard that it's better because that's bad. <laughs> okay. But I just, I just think – well, first of all, I want to say the girl I thought was pretty good. Like, yeah, the, the, yeah. Before – so before the accident, I thought she was bad. I was like, ah, she's not really doing it for me. But once she goes like full creepy yeah, evil, I was like, okay, I see nothing, why. They, I, mean, yeah, I see why they cast her with this and Shazam. We have good child acting, which right. almost like it, if you go back to last well, week she's... and think about Dumbo, then you're like, why can Disney get this right? Like they're a good child. Oh, actors imagine if out that there. girl were this character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then <laughs> this movie would have been more watchable. She's like, I'm then. gonna bring back the dog through science, puppy. <laughs> <laughs> And the the other point I was gonna make is that um, they okay I could really get like in the weeds with a lot of the complaints we could we could really like have a long conversation about what doesn't work in this movie but because I'm I'm not aware of like how the story originally was there were certain things that like were complete unknowns to me and that kept me 
intrigued while watching it but by the end of the movie like none of it ended up panning out in any way and one of those <laughs> is like the little parade of children with the mask yeah where, what happened beginning. to those kids i thought that was gonna be like a no and all the marketing the that's story. like you see the and kids it was and nothing else. it was literally nothing so i thought i thought that like there that you know the movie's called Pet Cemetery, right? Mm-hmm. So I really thought that the actual Pet Cemetery aspect was gonna end up tying back in, and that like John Lithgow's uh, dog was gonna come back and like play a main part, and the whole pet undead pets like that really like isn't anything. The yeah. movie is not about. Well, I mean, that. I think that way you can look at it is the kids, like with the mass and everything else, they're like undead children who are like their they died and then their parents mm. buried them there and then they maybe they killed their parents yeah. and now yeah, they're marching through the forest. That's all speculation. But, yeah, okay, yeah. so it's that that doesn't bother me as much. I honestly wish that they played a bigger role because they were genuinely creepy. I know that this is part of the book, but it does not come together at all. The thing with uh, the wife and uh, um with um. Oh, the her maid, the mom and her sister and yeah, their yeah, relationship. Yeah. That that has nothing happened? to do with anything. That had nothing to do with it anything. It is creepy. It's yes, but, but for what purpose? Like exactly. I feel like they're like It's like I a can, haunted house. If I was gonna do like some quick math, I would try and find some more scenes to have the connective tissue there. Maybe have things like where the daughter is like hearing the sister or something. Like it this whole thing with her sister cast the spell on the entire family. Yeah. Have like a hereditary aspect where it's haunting them throughout the entire I movie. Kept, I kept thinking about hereditary. Especially because it's a this creepy yeah. looking house out in the middle of nowhere yeah. in the forest. Which by the way, the 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 death in this movie with the truck is like laughable compared oh, yeah. to it's how good the cutaway. hereditary is. It's a cutaway and you don't even see the body. And then just Jason Clark with one tear coming down his cheek. Well, and also the foreshadowing of it was like the most heavy handed shit I've ever seen. Where like there are two different times where a semi truck just blows by and you're like, huh, yeah, I wonder what this, that means. This truck driver is just murdering children okay, so every day. That's my question. What happened to that dude? The dude just killed a fucking child and then they had the ceremony and the guy like walks out and he's horrified. He's like, oh my God. He's like, damn. Put that dude in fucking prison, man. Like, Jesus Christ. So, I don't know how that's not anyway, anything. Anyway, the, the hereditary comp brings up my second like main issue with the movie, which is this movie is very dour. Like There is n- almost no comic relief in any way. There's almost no relief of any nature. And that's totally fine. Like Think about hereditary. There are only two routes you can take, though. If your movie is very gloomy and just very dark and just like depressing and, and viscerally gross, there are two routes. The first is to be an all-around good movie like Hereditary, where it's it's dour, there's not comic relief, but it's such an, a visionary piece of filmmaking that you're compelled anyway, even though your mood might be dark. Uh, the second option is to be like it and just have laughs in it. And that kind of lifts you up beyond just feeling... Throughout the movie, there's just nothing to make you feel good in any way. No, and yeah. and, and the so, pro- my problem with that is that the movie wasn't good enough that I was fine with it. You know what I mean? Like, most Blumhouse movies... A, they're like decently made. They're not always great. They're they're decently produced, and they have they're not like overtaken by comedy. Like it had a lot of comedy, but like a movie like The Conjuring has laughs. They're not like the main issue of the movie, but it has them at least. So or, you're so the whole movie you're not just like oh I just want to die. <laughs> Or, yeah, or to that point, I mean, the main thing with, like, modern horror is, like, it has the big jump scare, and then we can cut away. It's like, all right, we can kind of, it's all about tension and release. This movie doesn't really have a lot of release and stuff. It's, it's like, very spastic, and it's like, scare, scare, yeah. scare, scare. And to me, that's... Which, which scare. I, like, I alluded to it earlier, but the just the, the haunted house 
aspect and that's kind of why i liked it because it it is kind of like a haunted house where you know every time you are walking around a corner someone's just gonna pop out and 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 spook you like you know it's gonna happen and that's kind of how i felt about this movie it it was predictable but that's kind of what you're going in for I mean, this is partially my fault because I could have done these. I should have done these in opposite order, but I saw these movies. I saw Shazam and Pet Cemetery the same day. I saw Shazam first, and then I went to Pet Cemetery. Shazam just left me on this like good feeling. It just left me on a little bit of this like movie high yeah. of like good movie magic. And then I just walked into just... this, and I was like, "Well, <laughs> what the fuck was that?" Now they're just all dead zombies. Yeah. Okay, I guess. so let's talk like, about the ending. What... the The movie starts at the end. And you basically can kind of put the pieces in your head as to like how everything's going to go down because <laughs> of that opening. And the way it ends, it's just like uh, it, you don't really get that much out of it. No, it's just like, oh, it's, okay, I so mean, everyone's dead. Well, this is my again, my so problem, what? Uh, pacing wise. Uh, what I was talking about earlier with the if you look up a sentence about this movie, because that was the only spoiler I had was like one sentence. It'll say. A family deals with their daughter being killed mm. and that happens an hour in right so and that's like the event and so typically with the movie if you have a log line like that it's you know if you're like for example uh you know max keeble finds out he's gonna move so he decides to mess around that big thing it came up organically you can't right. blame me for, <laughs> anyway that thing has to happen pretty early because it's the thing that you see the movie for yeah yeah, yeah. like and it happens so late, so the whole time it's just little things that you're like, oh, it's leading up to it. Like, well, the thing that does happen early on is you're immediately introduced to the pet cemetery, which yeah. goes back to my original point. As like, I thought that was going to be a more central part of the story because they spend so much time setting it up. You know, like they, you have John Lithgow do this whole exposition sequence, r- laying out the backstory of the Indian barrel ground. You know, classic mm-hmm. King Stephen King right. weirdness. And I really thought that that was going to be a, a much more integral part of the story because I really I like that. I like the part where you have uh, Lithgow and Jason Clark trekking out there into the woods with the cat, mm-hmm. like the look of, of that. And when you actually get to like the mountain and there's steps leading to the top of that big rock, I was like, all right, this is this. Well, yeah, this is pretty cool. I wanted to say that, too. There are bits of filmmaking in this that are plenty good. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's what I keep saying. The set design and the like costume design with some of the makeup and stuff is really awesome. But, but in terms of what it actually means in the story, it, it doesn't it doesn't, it doesn't work. And it it's. Again, my original point about these people just being so stupid. So you, you're you walking in the deep of the woods in the middle of the night and you see like creepy ass steps leading to the top of a mountain. Don't don't go up the steps. Well, okay. So my whole don't. thing, biggest one of my biggest criticisms is uh, Jason Clark is all he sees how like fucked up this cat is. He's like, that's not my cat. That's not my cat anymore. His daughter dies. He's like, you know what I should do? I should bring her back because that worked so well the first time that I was totally against. Or the or the mom, like she yeah. knew the cat was dead, and then she sees the cat and she's like, oh, I, I guess everything's uh, fine. Okay, yeah. I guess. Yeah, like it's out. just it's so <laughs> stupid, and I feel yeah. like this movie wanted really badly to be 
at its core a family drama mm. and that's why we focus and so trauma. much family that's trauma. family trauma and just kind of this this whole family dynamic you never really know what happens like they never actually talk about it, but there was something that made them move out of the city like they don't actually speak to it i don't know if that's in that's the a books great or not, point but they they talk about there's like you know like there's a reason why we moved out here we need to spend more time maybe together they as a cut a plot something, line out something had yeah. to have happened maybe jason clark's was... character cheated or something like that but you could tell that this was a move to bring the family well, together that, that goes back to your point about how Jason Clark like isn't he doesn't really have anything much to do as a character. Uh, yeah. He does things to advance the plot. Yeah. But, but as a character, there's nothing well, there. Also, one thing that ruined Jason Clark's dynamic with his wife for me was the movie Us. Because it, it fucks with that dynamic yeah, yeah, yeah. where like she's talking about her like tragic past with her sister. And he's just like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> damn, that shit sucks. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, it's just... If you're not like there was just nothing there like it was like I don't care about your past because I don't think you're a real person. I don't think that this is a uh, any story that could happen in yeah. any alternate dimension. But maybe they did cut something out because there's like shreds of it there. You I know because no, there's, yeah. there's this whole like it, it, basically he wants to be a good father and his actions of him trying to go be a good father are what lead to his yeah. daughter dying. No, I totally would buy that and then that idea back. that it that something was cut because the other part of it is like this is a very short movie. Yeah, uh, it could have been longer. It I feel like the dream, the creepy like nightmare sleepwalking stuff like yeah. that was good, but again. It doesn't really tie well, into I, the story. Okay, so to this whole point, like I, I, I don't know. I'm not familiar with the two people who directed this movie. The other things they, yeah, I think they made they made a, Mama two, and <laughs> Starry Eyes. Mama Mia two. Yeah, they've only like, made two like released uh, movies in holidays. the rest of their shorts. They're yeah, they're guys who have made a lot of like horror type movies. But it just it felt like this movie. Like for me, I really was thinking the whole time. Like, all right. There's going to be a core family theme here that's going to bring everything together, but it almost like, and that's where it really lost me in the third act is because it just goes full surreal and it yeah, just goes yeah. full ghosts and ghouls and zombies coming back to life, and I lost the the center where I thought that it was going to come. See, together. I I wish I guess if if I would do quick maths, I wish that John Lithgow's character would have been more tied to the actual pet cemetery like because that's how you meet that character yeah is at the pet cemetery and like maybe if he would have been integral to that and then tie him to like the little the kid mask cult mm -hmm. and it's like they worship these undead animals because yeah. of the indian burial ground energy well and it's this kind of like otherworldly cult worship weird worship thing and he's like we just we have to we have to worship them or because like, they come back from the dead yeah but instead he like is very anti don't ever take your animals there until it's the cat and they're like all right well maybe you should go ahead and take your cat there <laughs> And then he's like, don't take your daughter there, though. And you're like, what do you, what he is this? He literally knew, he knew that, uh, he knew everything bad about the he place. Said, and he said, sometimes dead is better beforehand, and then still goes and buries, like. Yeah, so. So I, dumb. I think I'm figuring, like, the reason you like this more than me is because you're more of a visually inclined watcher than I am. Like, I, I'm just, like, that's come secondary to me. Uh, personally, yeah, because the script in it is is straight up bad. Yeah, yeah. and it's just like it's movies so like this or a movie like Prometheus. I can't get past the story. And Prometheus, I oh, would don't say, you dare shit on Prometheus. Well, that's the thing. Prometheus, I would say, is better than this, but it has a similar thing where it visually it's doing a lot better than it's doing story wise. Uh, and to me, 
and if you're you know if you're like me i would say don't watch this movie if you're if visuals matter more to you than watch it because there's nothing egregious going on in the visual department like it's totally fine and verging on good and plenty of scenes yeah. there's good stuff happening um but i thought this script was really really stupid like it, it was a dumb script an hour goes by and it felt like two hours to me like it just i was like oh, wait spe- yeah especially the the be- the first half yeah that's what i'm saying yeah. like the first most of the movie for me was a drag and then when things finally start happening i was already like well i don't care it's a lot of characters talking about like a lot of table setting yeah yeah exactly it's and just it's a lot of exposition and, it, well, and it's all setting a table for like 20 minutes yeah of an end <laughs> And that that balance is so lopsided that I couldn't forgive the rest of the movie, even though, like you said, there's shit going on. Like I could give this a six, even though the script for me was a two, because mm. the rest of it was totally fine. Yeah. Like There was nothing r- totally wrong with it other I, than the script. I do want to shout out um, Amy Simitz, who plays the mom, um, who is not Carrie Russell. See, much like Jason Clark is not. Joel Edgerton. I'm only going to tell you this one more time. We forgive you for fucking up in that one episode. Amy Simons is not Carrie Russell of the (laughs) Americans and Felicity fame. So actually, Amy Simons, she is uh, the co-star of Upstream Color with uh, Shane Carruth. So I was like, I know her. I know her. Uh, I think she's great in this. She's also in Alien Covenant speaking to your Prometheus point, weirdly enough. She is. yeah, I thought I I honestly I thought the performances were strong, but they just are very bogged down by yeah. horrendous. Like I just like I I almost wonder because I feel like they tried they probably did a pretty decent job of just straight up adapting things from the book. Yeah. But I think that the best Stephen King film adaptations changed it. Like even a movie like it, like it changes key parts from the book and it cleans stuff up hence having a movie just about the kids and now we're gonna have a movie just about adults like filmmaking writing a script and writing a book are two completely different yeah, things and i feel like different. it's it's okay to make adaptations and to make changes and to just base your story around a stephen king novel and i don't know if they were just afraid to do that or what exactly but that's just well one of the things that just really bummed me i'm out. i'm really fascinated by the fact that this it was his attempt at a kid's book first yeah. of all because that's like so fucked up for him to do but <laughs> second of all that was this during his like intense oh, drug probably use during, he binge? was doing like fucking like just yeah. copious amounts. He's of like, I gotta have some day. levity in my writing. <laughs> <laughs> he writes like the worst story, <laughs> but that makes a lot of sense plot wise because it is essentially a goosebumps novel plot. Like, oh, what if your pet came back to life? Mm-hmm. That's a very child friendly yeah, yeah, yeah. idea, uh, and I don't think that the script of this movie realized that they had to do some extra work to make this for adults. Also, uh, Jason Clark finds the undead cat in the baby's crib. <laughs> Listen. It's like, oh, wow, I guess that's kind of weird. Oh, like, so there's another aspect of this movie, the, the like two-year-old child that they have that they just like, leave the kid behind. They're like, lock the door in the car. Don't let anybody in. Yeah. Like This kid can like do yeah. anything. This kid's- that's, that's how the movie ends. It's like, I'm going to murder my son. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I... <laughs> I, I'm trying to find positives, and I'm having a hard... The more we talk about it, the more I don't want to yeah, find Yeah, see, because at first I was thinking closer <laughs> to a six, and I'm like, well, if us is like an eight, is this really only like two points worse than us? I'll give, like, I'll give it a six, I, cause, just because of my I'll expectations. I'll just give it a five, because I think there's some aspects of it were really strong, and then some aspects of it yeah. were just abysmal. It's so. just... 
the main thing I would want to tell the listeners is if you want anything that you could find in this movie, you can find it elsewhere in a better movie. Mm -hmm. That's mainly it. If you want to see like an insidious conjuring style movie, just watch those movies. Right. Like they're, they're not bad. (laughs) It didn't, it didn't do anything to separate itself from the, yeah. And like I said, my parabola for me is like dead ass true. If I watch a five, I want to (laughs) die. I can't watch a five out of 10. Like I hate it so much. Um, and it's not that it's the worst, but listen, I have nothing else to say. Right. Is this better or worse than Dumbo, the ultimate five of all time? Oh, dude. I I definitely say it's better. Well, yeah, it For is. Sure. If it was, I was more watchable than Dumbo. Dumbo was a drag. I wanted to leave Dumbo. Um, I right. had to fly away. I was at home watching ears. Pet Cemetery, and I wanted to leave my house. <laughs> 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 like I was like, wait, I gotta wait, go. no, no. I mean, I was, that. yeah, I you mean, I was in, in a the theater, theater yes. that you paid movie price ticket for. Yeah, yeah. I had a screener. I'm press. Anyway, <laughs> all right, let's wrap it up, boys. Um, we bought a mic at we bought a mic Twitter and Gmail. We bought a mic at gmail.com Let us know what you thought of Pet Cemetery, Barry, Twilight Zone, all that shit. Uh, we are going to be talking about Game of Thrones. Yeah. So gonna I think be doing something I think special. what we should do is we could do a bonus app. Uh, yeah. It's only going to be the for same, a few weeks. So in the same feed, we're going to be putting out three feed. podcasts a week. Well, it'll be it'll be short reaction. Yeah. Po- like right after we watch the episode, we'll record a quick twenty minute reaction. Yeah, so you guys can look forward to that. Come yeah. out on Sunday. Watch listen the to our final pod six episodes of Game of Thrones. Woo. Oh, man, that's insane. I'm so ready. Yeah, Drew. I'm glad you know, TV's can... finally picking up again. Thank no, God. I'll just I'll just keep doing like comedy segments. <laughs> And then whenever comedy corner, yeah, when you guys all just fucking leave when you guys do your segment, it's fine. Anyway, uh, that's that's all for this two day segment. We have oh, we're doing a special episode next week. Max Keeble's big move. It's happening. It's It's finally happening. Yeah, you all clamored for it. You asked for it. Yeah, we're bringing it to you. Never seen this a movie. So I'm gonna be episode. watching it for the first time when we do this. I comedy. can't Listen, believe you've never seen Ernie, Max Keeble. Oh, by the way, happy happy late birthday, to Ernie! Saying I've never seen the Godfather. Oh, happy birthday! But yeah, Ernie's party was last night, and someone else brought up Max Keeble, knowing that I would just go nuts mm-hmm. if, if they brought it up, and oh. that's what I want. Yeah, <laughs> that's all and I now want. Now we're gonna go on record to finally settle it. Max Keeble did Tower Seven. Yeah, we're gonna be. Yeah, we should do a YouTube video. Solved. Yeah, we, yeah. So we can put in the thumbnail like a, an arrow, a red arrow pointing to like a circle. Like right. They all the do. two E's in Keeble are the towers. Yeah. Think, literally, <laughs> just think for one second, and it's obvious. All right. Anyway. Uh, all right. Thanks for sticking around. Uh, check us out on Twitter. Uh, don't don't send me nudes. I don't want to see any of that shit. There's been a lot of that lately. Please stop. Mm, yeah. Too much. I'm going to report you. Yeah. Twitter. All right. Uh, bye-bye. Bye. Fuck them all. They can eat my dick. That's word of pimp. Word of pimp. Word of pimp. Hold up. Oh, my. You are now listening to Run the Tools. Fuck them all. They can eat my dick. That's word of pimp. Yeah. I don't fuck with to talk like all these fucking imps. Stop violent. Give a fuck if you deny it, kids. You can all run naked backwards to a field of shit.